This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Well, we got technical difficulties, but we're live here in Meridian at the Max, and uh, if you want to give us a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring, and we're going to just be talking about gardening. We've got some technical difficulties out here uh, because of a hookup thing, but uh, I'm here. I got Granny's concrete chicken with me. Uh, I've got my pickup truck with all the green stuff in it. And if you've got anything you'd like to talk about gardening-wise, give us a call. Again, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. It's a beautiful day, a little chilly this morning. But um, if we get some calls, Jay, if you'll just let me know and plug it in, we'll take it from there. I'll do it. uh, So how are you doing this morning, sir, Jay? Uh, I'm all right. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. You know, found a sunny spot. If you're in the shade, it's not that great because it's a little chilly. But. A lot of people say it's time to plant their gardens, and a whole bunch of people are planting their gardens a little bit early because the dirt is cold. A lot of people don't realize that plants don't care whether it's Good Friday or not. They want some warm dirt, and they want some warm rain, too. And so um, if you haven't planted yet, go ahead and get your plants and, um, you know, just put them out in the sun, let them warm up and all. But I would wait another week or so until we make sure that the dirt warms up. Uh, somebody said, well, how do you know when it's ready? And my typical way of doing it is to look at the people who are fishing. If they're sitting on their bait bucket, the ground is too cold to plant. And that's just sort of a bottom thing. So uh, I did get some tomato plants last week. I've got uh, some basil. Basil. I actually put that in my truck because the container garden warms up real, real well. And if you got things in a container or raised bed, it's okay to plant. This is the month to start fertilizing your grass. You know, if you, if you haven't done it already, good, because it's too early uh, before now. Once the grass starts greening up and you mow a time or two, that's when it wants to be fertilized, after it jump starts its new roots in the springtime. Uh, one of the things we're doing here at the MAC is uh, uh, getting ready to give a, a program tomorrow, Saturday morning, on native plants in the garden. I don't mean just weedy things. I'm talking about really good garden quality, landscape quality plants that happen to be native to Mississippi. If they grow well uh, in the woods, they grow along in, in the, the hedgerow, if they grow uh, out in the field, they'll grow good in your yard. And the trick is to find some really good plants, some trees, some shrubs, some perennials, maybe a vine or two, and you can have a beautiful landscape with 100% native Mississippi plants. Don't have to, but uh, just the fact that you can says that it's okay to work a few in here and there. A lot of people don't understand we already use native plants. If you've got a magnolia, for example, or one of our native azaleas, or maybe you've got a dogwood, those are native plants, and they do, they do really, really well. I spend a lot of time in European gardens, and they use so many more of our plants in their gardens because they don't seem as natives over there. They just seem as good quality native plants. So one of the things that, that uh, this time of year getting ready to do is uh, taking a lot of pictures of people's yards and they don't have a whole bunch of, of uh, grass. They got a bunch of weeds. And if you look real close at some of these weeds, they are beautiful plants. They've got terrific little flowers, tiny little daisies, uh, little orchid looking things. A lot of what we call weeds in the lawn are actually meadow plant, low growing meadow plants 
I don't mean a metal like knee high or waist high with a bunch of gold around and stuff, but really nice little low growing stuff. Um, if you know that dandelions don't get very big, and I know people see dandelions as a weed, but it's a low growing plant. It's pretty. It's got beautiful little flowers, and it's covered with honeybees and other, and native pollinators right now. So and same thing with clover. So I'm not saying you have to go 100%, but if you got a lawn where you can mow around a few of these kind of things, uh, it looks interesting, more interesting than just plain old flat grass. Uh, and and you'll have all sorts of pot butterflies and bees and stuff. And as soon as it gets hot, they die down anyway. So you can go ahead and mow your grass, mow around a few of these wildflowers, and then when it gets hot, you can go ahead and uh, and cut them down because they're, they're, they'll be gone for the summer anyway. It's perfectly possible to have a 100% normal lawn in the summertime that's loaded with little low-growing wildflowers right now. So they don't grow at the same time. So anyway, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. And um, we're, not, we're not broadcasting as, uh, live here in Meridian because of a technical thing, but I know that some of y'all can hear me. And if you want to give us a call, let's do that. All right, Felder, we got our uh, first caller of the day. We have Michelle, who's called from Memphis. Hey, Michelle, what's going on in Memphis? Good morning. Good morning, Felder. Um, I have a question regarding bagworms. We yep. had them last fall in um, a bunch of arborvitaes, and um, some of them were killed. The trees were no good at all. And others, I was able to pull the bagworms out, and the trees seem okay. Um, but what do I do? I feel like I was supposed to do something in spring to prevent this from happening again. Well, here's the thing with bagworms. They're, they're the larvae of, of uh, moths that lay eggs at night. There's no way to keep those moths out of the garden and from laying the eggs. Uh, so okay. there's, about, about, there's no way to prevent it is what I'm saying. So what I would recommend would be to just, uh, since you know you had them, go out every now and then every week or so and check and see some young ones. Uh, you know, they, they crawl around upside down and they make that little ba- that little cocoon thing hanging off of their off their body and they actually crawl around with that hanging down like a Christmas ornament and they, they start mm-hmm. eating the leaves. You can spray them pretty easily then even with an all natural spray that's sold as biological oh, excuse me. It's called B T. It's a, a bacteria that only kills the larvae of moss and butterflies. It, so you can spray this stuff and there's a bunch of brands like Thuricide is a dipel but uh, if you use a biological worm spray, it won't not – I mean, it'll kill it. It makes them stop eating, and so it's actually more effective than a, on a stronger insecticide. And then when they drop to the ground, the spiders and the birds that pick them up won't be poisoned. But you're just going to have to go out and look for them when they're small while they're still crawling around be, before they attach themselves to the twigs. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so there's no easy way I, on this one. No, there's not. Just just go out, you know, you can do that with a cup of coffee in your hand. Just go around and if you start seeing little ones, then spray. But, uh, you know, the only time it's effective to spray is when they're young while they're actively feeding. Once they go into that cocoon and attach themselves, you know, that's, it, there's nothing you can do about it. So just got to monitor it. I, I wish there was a right. way, but that's it. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. Good luck on it. Okay. Thank you. You bet. You know, a lot of people uh, don't understand that insecticides are not preventive. You have to wait and treat them as they appear. Fungicides are not cures. You have to use a fungicide ahead of time, like a like a protective film, 
to keep plants from getting disease. Insecticides, you have to wait till they show up. There's just not much way around that. So, um, All right, Felder, we got another call if you want to go to that. Sure. All right. We got? We've got Max, who's called in from Sheffield, Alabama. Hey, Max, where's Sheffield? I'm about a half a mile south of the Tennessee River. Okay. You don't want up there. Well, what's going on? What can we help you with today? What's the best time of year and how to do a rose graft? This apartment complex came around and killed four of my beautiful rose bushes with Roundup. And Uh I'm trying to graft or going to get some grafts from someone else, and I don't know what time of year and the best place to cut the rose. Well, grafting is done... Uh, well, I mean, if, if, if you're not going to graft on the roses out there, are you? No, uh, I've got I've got some in a little bit of soil now. It's still looking good. They've yeah, they really yeah. haven't done anything yet. Well, well, here's the deal with grafting: grafting or budding, either way you go, that's done. You know, when when plants sprout out and start to really grow, when they're sending food from the leaves back down to the roots, that's what heals the graft. But the stuff that you graft, the, 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 what you actually do, the, the grafting wood or the bud wood, you have to collect that while the plants are still dormant. So people who graft stuff, they, they take their, their cuttings and their buds and their sticks and all uh, in the wintertime, put them in a refrigerator like a plastic bag. They keep them cool and dormant. And then when the plants outside start to leap out, that's when they pull them out of the refrigerator and graft them. So uh, once they start really growing, it's hard to, to, to take fresh wood uh, off an active growing plant and graft it onto another plant. I mean, it's it's possible, but uh, if you're going to do it, I'd get right on it because this uh, once those plants leaf out really good, it's hard to, uh, for the for the graft. It's just hard to do. But a lot of grafting and budding is actually done in the late winter, early spring, is what I'm saying. Okay, where's the best place to make the cut on the branches? Uh, well, have you grafted before? Yes, but these are hybrids, and I don't know how different they are. Oh, the you know, grafting is grafting. It doesn't matter what kind of plant it is. Uh, you know, you want to take a, a piece of what you're going to graft onto the other plant has to be about the same size. In other words, you you need to if you're going to take a cutting size of a pencil, you need to graft it onto a stem that's about the size of a pencil. Then they need to match in diameter. Okay, thank you. Okay, good luck on it. Uh, we got a break coming up, folks. I'm broadcasting live from the Max in Meridian, Mississippi. We're going to be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener right after this. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 
or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. We, we got it. We got it. Java, you are the man. You are the man. Oh, Jesse. Shout out to Jesse yeah, from the Jesse Max right here. Yes, yes, indeed. He brought a he brought a wire out of the max, and you all, all it's great. Anyway, before we go any further, let me say I am so glad to be in Meridian, but at the max. Hey, y'all! Woohoo! You know, one of one of the things we do at MPB is uh, it took us a long time to to catch on that not everybody listens to classical music. You know, I mean, we, I like it. I played in a symphony when I was in high school, but we've decided to do talk with people in Mississippi, talking to people in Mississippi about stuff in Mississippi. What they didn't figure was bringing somebody like me in who's going to bring a concrete chicken around everywhere he goes because that's my grandmother's chicken. You know, I've been to Versailles. I've seen eight-foot naked goddesses in, in gardens, but, you know, that's not really appropriate in everybody's yard. And so I got my grandmother's concrete chicken when she passed away. It's the right size, it's the right scale, it's the right style, everything about it. So people look at that chicken, and they want to, on one hand, think that maybe I don't know anything. What they don't realize is I do know that, to me, Granny's chicken says Granny and Zinnias, and that's what we're here. We're just trying to connect everybody with their plants in the gardens and all this wonderful community we have that we call Mississippi Gardeners. So anyway... Uh, not sure if we've got phone calls or anything like that, but it's, it's live here at the Max. Uh, I was talking with with uh, with Mark. Where's Mark Tullis? He's the boss man here. We appreciate y'all having us up here. It's a whole lot of folks, and I'm giving a pro uh, program here tomorrow morning uh, at the Max on using native plants in the landscape, wildflowers and trees and shrubs that in Europe, they don't see them as native plants. They just see them as good garden plants and they use them accordingly. But anyway, if anybody's got any questions, by the way, here and want to come up and ask, you can do that, feel free. I had my test yesterday, so I'm okay. As long as you're okay, come on up. Um, we were talking about uh, the Granny's Concrete Chicken, but I also have another little thing here. This is a... Um, it's a statue of a saint. Anybody know who this saint is by any chance? It's not St. Francis. He's the bird guy. This is St. Fiacre, F-I-A-C-R-E. He's got a shovel and flowers. He is the official patron saint of gardeners. And I'm, you know, I'm not Catholic, but at the same time, I have this statue in my garden because it reminds me of people who have shared plants with travelers. Uh, and share their flowers with each other and food with, with people. It's one of those sharing type things. So the St. Fiacre, when I look at that, I think of people who share. Granny's chicken reminds me of my connections to, to my people and my gardens. Fiacre reminds me of my connection to the world, and that's what we're doing here. So if anybody has anything you want to yak about, uh, let's do that. Java, I'm not sure if we've got any callers or not. You know, you've got a, a butt, butt in here. Yeah, we're waiting on um, Jay White, super producer in the studio, to <laughs> our calls. Yeah. Felder, let's try call John from Mobile. John, what's going on? Howdy. Good. Good morning. Um, I'm going to try grafting a lemon piece to a Satsuma tree. And yep. I was one. Well, I've done some video research on it, and uh, I saw something that you need to do it before they blossom. Is that? Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Here's the, here's the deal with grafting. You're taking a pl 
piece of one plant and sticking it onto another plant. And what makes it work is the is the energy going from the the one you graft. Okay, I'm I'm I try not to get scientific with that. The 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 wood that you graft, or what you are you doing a satsuma on a what? A, 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 no, a lemon on a satsuma. Okay, your lemon when it leaves out, it sends food from its leaves down towards the roots, and when it hits that graft, it heals that 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 cut. So you got to do it when the leaves when the, when your lemon has leafed out or is about to leaf out, and so it's able to send food back down to to the stem. And so right, right about when they start leafing out, budding out, that's when people do their grafting. Okay, so if, if they're flowering, it's too late for this year. Try it next year. Yes, yes. So what, okay. what people who graft do is that whether it's roses or, or citrus or camellias or fruit trees. Matter of fact, I, I visited a fellow out from, from uh, central Mississippi, out from Carrollton, and he, he and I grafted a crabapple tree that I stole from a church in Jackson. Yeah, there's a wonderful crab apple tree, and I wanted one of it, but they don't grow, they don't root well. So I took some uh, cuttings of that back when it was cold, back in February, I guess, put them in a plastic bag, kept them in the refrigerator so they thought it was still wintertime. And I took them up to his place, and he had some, some root stock of some kind of apple or something. When they started leafing out, that's when we grafted it. So you take your stuff you want to graft in the wintertime, keep it cold, and then when the other stuff uh, leafs out, that's when you do your grafting. Okay. Now, I, uh, a, I know a it question. sounds complicated. There's tons of YouTube about it. Yeah. Okay. A question I think I know the answer to. Uh, you cannot graft a like a peach tree onto a, a citrus tree. That's correct. You got to stay. Okay. Got to stay in the family. That's right. Got to have inbreeding. Yeah. Well, no, it's not so much that. It's just you know some 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 families don't get along very well. Well, <laughs> that's true. So, we're just gonna leave it at that. Okay. Uh, how about kumquats on the satsumas? It's citrus will graft to citrus. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All righty. You know, a lot of people uh, have found that, that you can graft stuff and get a really nice quality fruit or rose or whatever on a sturdier root, but I prefer things you just cut off and stick in the ground. If it can't grow on its own roots, I'm not sure I want to baby it because you don't see any really old grafted plants. You know, it's, it's just not... It, it it doesn't always work. So like with my roses, I'd rather grow a rose, a rooted rose, than a grafted rose any day. So, anyway, uh, one of the things I was uh, doing the other day when I was getting ready to plant my garden. How many? Did any of y'all uh, here see my truck out there with all the plants growing in the back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's an old pickup. It's a 1988 Ford F-150, and I got uh, rosemary and oregano. I've got basil. I've got uh, kale. I've got parsley. I could eat roadkill if I need to. As a matter of fact, I was coming. I, I, I went up and visited a, a terrific gardener who lives out from Noxipater. Any of y'all know where Noxipater is? <laughs> you got and I'm not trying to dismiss it, but you got to be going there to get there. Because unless you're trying to find a shortcut and you're lost, it ain't on the way to anywhere. But it's such a cool little town. Uh, and, and this lady named Faith Estes, she's 80 years old. And she, the past two years, she has been digging flower beds and planting flowers. And I brought some plants for her. She shared plants with me. Uh, but this garden of mine, every time I slowed down, it seemed like the, all the native pollinators, the bees and the things, wanted to swarm my truck. But uh, all the plants in the back of there, 
and in the back of my pickup truck. They took the freeze. I did not cover it up back in the winter when it got cold. I didn't cover up a year ago when it got down to 9 degrees. It doesn't get watered in the summertime because I'm gone all summer. It just sits outside. So I found plants that will take uh, hard freezes. that will take 104 degrees. It will take no water at all. And they'll take 81 miles an hour. And the reason I started doing that because a lot of people think it's hard to garden. The trick is find plants that are easy to grow and then put two or three of them together and it makes people think you know what you're doing. And then if something new that you try doesn't make it, you still got those first two or three to keep your spirits up. And so that's what I've done. Over the years, I found out plants that'll take pretty bad conditions. And that's what I recommend people start out with. Plants that are proven. And then try some new things you may not know how well they do. That way, if they, if they don't make it, you still got something to keep your spirits up. So, Jay, have we got any kind of callers in yet? We do. We have Eric on the line in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Eric. What's going on, man? Hello? <laughs> Eric's gone back to sleep. That's I think okay. he might have been through the drive in the drive through line. So uh, we'll put him on hold and we will try Rachel in Eupora. Hey, Rachel. Good morning. Good morning, Felder. Hey, I how just, are you? I'm great. I hope you are too. It's, it's been a while since I've been to Webster County. What's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, we got the little spring flowers popping up and uh, I don't mow until they're through. Uh, blooming and the clover too and my neighbors don't I don't know if they approve or not but we don't worry about it too much well you know last so, time I checked there's not any zoning laws in Eupora correct that's correct so I just enjoy my clover I talk to my wildflowers down the alley and uh, just enjoy the springtime here in Webster County well, good. so I, I love your show I love the cheesy music. I got turned on to Tiny Tim uh, after you played a song by him. And uh, one of the ones I really, really like that he does is um, Aren't You Glad You're You? And I used to play that in the mornings when I would uh, get up first thing and, and give myself a boost. Java, make uh, a note of that. Please. What's that? Well, what else can we help you with this morning? Well, I wondered if you would clarify about the BT. Uh, does it also kill butterfly larvae? BT is a bacteria, Bacillus thuringiensis, and it, do, and it kills only the larvae of moths and butterflies. That's what it does. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, it's, it's just one of those things. If you got trouble with tomato hornworms and you can't see them because uh-huh. of the same color as tomatoes, BT will kill the tomato hornworms without killing the birds that eat the tomato hornworm. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, I understand. It doesn't care if it's a moth or a butterfly. Yeah. Okay, just wanted to... All right, well, I appreciate it. And, you know, and I'll tell you something else you're doing. When you mow around those clovers, you leave a place for the Easter Bunny to lay an egg. I'll do that. I will do that. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. We, we appreciate that. All right. Thank you, Felder. You know, Java, and by the way, y'all, Java Chapman. He, he, we would. You get us to me every time, Felder. For, for, for an introvert, you're not doing too bad. <laughs> I'm just glad I had a, a, a hat on to cover up my sweat. <laughs> Your sweat. 
Java and I last night were in the St. Patty's Parade in Jackson. He was one of those with a tuxedo. He had bright green shorts, you know, trying to show off his pretty legs, but he had a tuxedo top and marching around and giving away uh, those those flowers to people in the parade. Anyway, we had a good time. Yeah, no, it was it was great. Uh, uh, big thanks to uh, Malcolm White for the yeah. Howard St. Patty's Day Parade, 37 years downtown Jackson. Yeah, and Malcolm is the uh, he's he's one of the hosts of the Deep South Dining. Yeah, Deep South Dining, and uh, actually we're going to be talking about the uh, Sip and Savory event that's coming to the Max in a couple weeks uh, it's like the 20th on Monday. Or 20, uh, wait, wait, the, oh, okay, because this could be like on the 20th. I got that somewhere, somewhere I had it written down. They can't have like 20 chefs. I, uh, April, April 23rd, April 23rd. Something like 20 chefs around the state. You know, they got a lot of stuff going on here at the Max. appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here tomorrow morning, starting at about 9.30, talking about uh, native plants and the landscape. Um, one of the things, Java, that, that I wanted to ask you about is when we started doing this uh, this program, you weren't sure about the cheesy music. Yeah, because a couple times it's a little too cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> I do that just because a lot of people think that gardening is all about horticulture. No, it's about enjoying and savoring what you're doing. You know, if you're into horticulture, that's about rules and shortcuts and techniques for achieving a goal. Horticulture is goal-oriented. It's the end of the trip. It's where you're going. And all these little tricks about turning compost and, and uh, doing this and doing that, they help you reach goals if that's what you're interested in. Uh, it is efficient, testing your soil. But gardening is about enjoying and savoring the trip itself. We don't care if we don't get there. We're gonna, if, if you don't think the tomatoes are going to turn red, take your Sharpie pen and draw a smiley face on it because that may be all you get, but that's what you got. So enjoy, you know, just relax. Gardeners don't care so much about the rules. A matter of fact, we used to say that, you know, horticulturists have rules about doing things. Gardeners have rights. And I'll give you an example. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense to horticulture. A gardener shall have the right to as many wind chimes as we can afford. And we have the right to mispronounce plant names, you know? I don't care if it's basil or basil or oregano or oregano or monkey grass, or whether it's a liriope or liriope, it doesn't matter, monkey grass. See, so gardening is about, uh, here's another thing, uh, gardeners shall have the right to plant any color flower next to any color flower. I had somebody tell me one time, you know, pink and orange don't go together. Well, I hope they never see a purple coneflower because that's pink and orange. And whoever designed that must have had bad taste. I don't know. So what we got? We got got the callers on the line? Jay, we got any callers before our next break? Nah, uh, it's just about time to take a break here. We could do the cheesy music. You up, man. The April showers? April showers. Okay, and it's quiet. It's barbershop quartet. I sang in a barbershop quartet for a long time, and it's all about making each other irritated. But it's a good tune because of all this hard rain we had this past week. I thought it would be appropriate. So you want to take it away with that? Yeah, man. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into the break. Life is not a highway strewn with flowers. Still it holds a goodly share of breeze. When the sun gives way to April showers. Here's the point that you should never miss. Though April showers may come your way, they bring the flowers that bloom in May. 
Because it isn't raining rain, you know. It's raining violets, and where you see where clouds, you see clouds upon the hill, upon the hill, you soon will see you soon crowds. see clouds of daffodils. So keep on looking for a bluebird and listening for his song. Whenever April showers come along. We love. I was just talking about the, the Max here, downtown Meridian. If you're not sure where it is, just find Meridian and go downtown. It's right by the train station. You can't miss it. But it's got the coolest stuff in here. It's a world-class place that highlights artists and musicians and authors and, and other from from all over Mississippi. And it's got, I mean, it's got Eudora Welty's kitchen, you know. It's even got a bottle tree from my yard. I don't know if y'all have seen that or not. Anyway, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. What we're trying to do here is just chat with people about gardening and see what's going on in your yard. I notice here at the Max, they've got a beautiful lawn out here that happens to be artificial. Excuse me, synthetic. And, uh, you know, Mark, the, a lot of people don't realize, and that's a good look. at. There's some cheap fake grass out there, but y'all got the kind that's even got the brown thatch worked into it, and you have so many people here at the Max, people can dance out there, and you don't have to worry about mowing it and all. And a lot of people don't realize that many of the gardens we see in England, many of the little cute cottage gardens, the, the grass out there is artificial, but they have five or six different kinds you can choose, and they all look more real. I'm a turf guy, and I have to bid down and touch it. So if you've got an area that's hard to grow grass, a little small, and you've got a throw rug area, or there's a lot of traffic, or maybe you just want that effect, but you don't feel like mowing, uh, this is not the old AstroTurf that we used to have. It's not that shiny green-looking stuff like you see in the Easter egg basket. It's really good quality stuff, and it holds up well. So what have we got? We got a caller? We do. We do, Felder. And one day I look forward to learning the difference between artificial and uh, what was the synthetic? Synthetic. Syn- yeah, syn- synthetic grass. They call it syngrass. Right, right. That's uh, That sounds similar, but uh, I understand it must be different. But first, uh, we got a couple of calls. We're going to talk to Mike and Hernando here in just a minute. But first, we have Joe in Mobile. Uh, Joe, where, where is it, are you from again, Joe? In Mobile. Good morning, oh, Felder. Yeah. What's going on down yeah. there? Just wanted to remind everybody about our plant swamp tomorrow. You know, you beat me to it, but you're exactly right. It's one of the biggest plant swamps <laughs> in the South. And it's, uh, it's at uh, Central Presbyterian Church, which is easy to get to. And it is a huge plant sale. How many people you think came to it this past year when I was there? We probably had 55 or so. And we, in recent years, we have been trading and swapping and sharing over 500 plants at a time. So, and, and uh, what time does it start? Like 10 o'clock or something? It, it starts, it, yeah, it starts at 10 tomorrow at the Central Presbyterian Community Garden at Dolphin and Ann Street. We do it's require really that everything be potted and labeled. 
Yeah, and so bring a plant that's ready to go in case somebody who gets it doesn't know squat about it. They can take it home and stick it in the yard. And there are so that, many different kinds of plants. And you usually, and you usually have a, a fellow who walks around and describes the different plants. And so it's a learning thing, too. So, folks, if you've got a plant that you can is already in a pot or you can dig up without it wilting, take it on down there and meet some other. You know, the thing about plant swaps, Joe, is it's the only place in the world where weird people and weird plants come together. That's right. A lot of the people, a lot. There's so much diversity in the plants, many of which you can't. They've been around for decades. We all saw them in Granny's garden, but you can't buy them. Uh, but also, not only a wide variety of plants, but people who have nothing else in common except plants, and That's they get right. along. That's right. So it, and we have a different format, but it's a lot of fun. Good. Well, I hope you have a good turnout. So I'm going to be here at the Max doing my uh, program on native plants. So I'm going to miss it this year, but I've been to four or five or six of them. Y'all have fun. You'll be you'll be missed. Thank you, Felder. All righty. I can't tell if that's a train coming by, but the Max is right by the train station. So any, any minute now, Amtrak's going to come by. We're going to go, woo-hoo. <laughs> anyway, Jay, uh, Jay, have we got any other callers? We do. We were just answering the phones. That's why it took me a second there. We're going to go to Mike up next in Hernando. Hey, Mike. What's going on in North Mississippi? Hey, Felder. You're cracking me up. Um, <laughs> I Just before the break, you were talking about how it's fun to be a gardener and the difference between the things you grow and plant. When you said basil or basil, I almost drove off the road. And basil, because I'm from the West, and you know, you know the other pronunciation. But then just before the break you explained that as gardeners you sometimes can say words and mispronounce words and you said again basil and basil that made me laugh because i realized that you were kind of joking too what i like about you you're kind of a, a cheesy treasure and you make me laugh <laughs> well i appreciate that you know i hope you're laughing with me not at me i am oh i am i think you're funny because you're extremely smart and i really enjoy your show because I've learned so much, but every now and then you'll crack a funny, and I'm like, yep, that's a Felderism. Okay, well, i got to ask you a question. You got a gardening question? Uh, just one. My neighbor is trying to figure out what to plant this time of year. They're from Alabama, and they are, uh, I touched on this once before with you, but just for food plants, are tomatoes a good start and squash and things like that? I think tomatoes and squash are not a good way to start. Because okay. I've 30 something books, I've got degrees on top of degrees, I've been all over the world, I've written blah, 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 and I cannot grow tomatoes or squash. Because they're, <laughs> even though country folks just put them out in plain dirt and they grow them. To me, I would start yeah. with something that's easy to grow that you can use all the time without worrying if it's going to make it or not. I'm thinking oregano, oregano, uh, basil, basil. Uh -huh. um, What's some other ones? Mint. Anything that you can plant that gives you instant gratification. You know, you can take a child who doesn't know anything about gardening and give them an oregano uh -huh. plant, and it will absolutely grow. That day they plant, they can take some in, snip a piece off, and put it on some pizza or put it on some spaghetti, and they've got ownership of their meals. Then you can plant yeah. something like tomatoes and peppers, and if they make it, great. But uh, I would start out with something that you can use m all year, like a culinary herb. And then uh, if you want to add tomatoes, peppers, squash, okra, you want to talk about something that's easy to grow, okra grows in just plain old D-I-R-T dirt with no care oh, at all. And if you don't like to eat it, 
because it's slimy, chop it up in little pieces, fry it, put a lot of ketchup on it, and you and you and you can keep on. And if you don't like to eat it, it's a pretty plant. Yeah, it is. Would turnips be a good one to start with too? Not this time of year. They they grow in the in the cold weather. So. Okay, you know, All righty. Appreciate your call, man. Felder, I was ready for you to say mint and then might or something like that. I, what's, I, I said I was ready for you to say mint and then might. I don't know what you would do with mint to make it sound different or, or westerly. but You know, when I give a lecture, if I'm giving a talk to a garden club in England, I have to remember it's oregano. Right. And it's, you know, but that either either type of thing. Well, well they, they like pints over there, right? So might might be you might be able to sneak that one in or probably yeah. not. Remember, if you if if you order uh, fish and chips, you're not going to get any. Fr- you can get French fries with it. <laughs> right. All right, uh, Felder, let's stay on the phone. Next up, we have Tony, who is in Sandersville. Hey, Tony, what's up? Hello, sir. Can you tell me how to get rid of stickers? Stickers? In the yard. Yeah. Go to Dollar General and get your pair of flip-flops. <laughs> I, I, I'm, actually, I'm actually serious about that. Stickers come up in the fall, little ferny plants, nice little look, look like moss. They grow over the wintertime, and in the springtime, they flower, they set seed, which are the stickers, and then they die. This time of year, they're getting ready to die, and if you spray them, it's harder to kill a plant that's actively growing uh, and that, that's at the end of its life. If you want to get rid of stickers, make a note, put it on the refrigerator, and next January or February, spray them then. When they're small, they're easy to kill. And right now, it's harder to kill, and your grass is starting to green up. And what will kill stickers will kill grass if it's young and tender. So right now, when stickers are a problem, best thing to do is just make a note to spray them next January or February. I'm, I'm real serious about this. I studied turf management at Mississippi State. And uh, I know for a fact that you can spray stickers right now, and it's hard to kill them, but you're going to kill your grass in the process, or at least weaken it. So uh, just make a note. Raise your mower if you <laughs> Java. It's Blow one of my, high. It's one of my cliches. Mow high. Mow high. You know, if you got stickers, they're the symptom that you don't have much of a, of a lawn. Your grass is real thin uh, because stickers are a, are a symptom of a thin lawn. So this year, raise your mower. Give it a little fertilizer. Try to thicken your grass up, and then make a note to spray for the stickers next January, February. But right now, there's not much practical you can do, and a lot of people okay. don't like to hear that. I don't like to say it. Well, I like the truth. All righty, man. Good luck on it. All right, Felder. Let's uh, stay on the phones here. We got Corrine in Oxford. Hey, Corrine, Lafayette County, <laughs> or, is it, or is it Lafayette County? <laughs> We say Lafayette, but I think the correct pronunciation is Lafayette. Well, it depends on where you are. So what's up? Exactly, exactly. Um, I have got, on my back patio, I've got two um, miniature magnolias, and around them I have monkey grass. And I like it because I don't really have to do anything to maintain it. However, my 95-year-old, I mean, 95-pound puppy likes to go potty there, and it's turning brown, and I'm wondering what can I do? Is there a plant that may be resistant to dog urine, or um, can I replant it, and or should I just cut it back to the ground, and maybe it'll come back? Are you talking about the monkey grass? Yes, yes. 
Yeah. No, uh, you know, uh, pet urine has got a lot of nitrogen in it, and uh, what it does, it makes it actually grow itself to death. That's what it greens up really, really green, and then it dies real quick. So the, basically, you got a little nitrogen factory going on out there. About the only thing you can do, other than put a little fence up around it, is uh, just keep your bucket of water, and when the dog goes to the bathroom, throw some water on it to to wash it away. But um. Uh -huh. You know, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's sort of, either that or just put a sign out there that says, dog out, or <laughs> something that says, this is where my dog goes to the bathroom, in case you wonder why my monkey grass is dead. <laughs> in, in other words, if you can't fix it, flee it, or fight it, flow with it. Okay. Yeah, a little fence wouldn't do me any good. She's huge. <laughs> well, you know, what's more important? Your dog or your the monkey? The dog. Okay. The dog, for sure. Well, you know, I'll tell you something else you can do. Get you some green spray paint. Okay. <laughs> but there's no plant that may be resistant to that? That. No. Nope. No. Okay. Okay. Nope. All, right. All right. Thank you. Love your show. You know, a lot of people think I'm kidding about this stuff. You know, if there was a solution that was easy to keep deer out, to keep dogs from peeing on my plants, to keep the stickers out. If there was an easy solution, I would do it. People say, "What do you? how do you control weeds? Well, I bend over and I pull them up. And they say, well, it gotta be an easier way. I say, well, let me know when there is one. I wrote the book and there's not an easier way. You know, this is one of the, you know, muscle relaxers help because weeding means pulling or chopping or hoeing. So anyway, uh, I forgot, I was gonna ask you something, Java. Well, hold it till we come back after the break, man. We're going to take a break. We're going to take a break. we got to give you a breather, man. Okay. In other words, I'm getting too excited. Is that what you're saying? Let's go. <laughs> okay. And by the way, this music, can you crank this up? Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Welcome back, Java Chapman, Felder Rushing, and the folks at MPB, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And by the way, I want to mention something. I want to do a little bragging. Uh, our, 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 our marketing director, Angela Ferraris, where's Angela? Yesterday, she was named Mississippi Businesswoman of the Year. Yeah, MPB's got some cool folks. And we have a fellow here who said he's got a question, right? What's your question? Um, my question is I have about 15 acres that stays just wet enough that I can't cut it. Uh, all year, and I, I'd like to know what to plant. Well, that's a good question. Uh, there are a lot of plants that grow in areas that stay wet part of the year and then dry out. You know, we think of them as ditch bank plants or emergency zone plants or uh, wetland plants. Uh, do you do you want it as like a meadow or, or just as a lawn or what? Yeah, meadow. As a meadow. Well, what I would do is just, just uh, you know, mow it when you can. Uh, you know, at this time of year, we have a lot of, uh, if, you, if you notice out in the fields, they're covered with all sorts of wildflowers that grow over the wintertime, and they die down when it gets hot, which is about when you can start mowing. So you can have a winter and spring meadow and then cut it and have, you know, just a sort of a lawn the rest of the time. If you want to have wildflowers there all the time, what you do is you cut really close in the fall so that the spring stuff comes up. The, you know, a lot of our spring wildflowers are small, and they need sunshine. So if you cut really close in, like uh, November, 
December, then you'll have really pretty little uh, wildflower meadows. And then in the summertime, raise it up and cut it as high as you can, and you'll get the wonderful fall blooming things, the goldenrods and the wonderful uh, taller uh, fall type things. So mow really close in the fall, and then mow on the high side whenever you can over the summertime. And you know, you'll know you end up with a really cool combination without really doing much else. Uh, put a, a couple of scarecrows out there. You have 15 acres, you could put an army of scarecrows out there and people will think it's just really, really cool. You know, and, uh, but trust me on this, if you have a scarecrow that's complicated and beautiful enough and got a nice hat, it's gonna have a wasp nest under the hat. I found that out. But anyway, you can accessorize the area too by put. you know, there's some, some, some uh, trees and shrubs that grow in low wet areas. And I've got a list of those if you want to shoot me an email that you can put out there that give you some height. It doesn't have to be all carpet is what I'm saying. So you can have a group of trees or a group of shrubs, maybe a piece of split rail fence or something that, that, that makes it look like a, a scene rather than just something needs to be cut. Yes, sir. What type of fruit trees would you plow, would you grow in that area? Uh, there's not a lot of fruit trees that are growing in low wet areas. We do have a, a native plant called mayhaw. Mayhaw looks like a crab apple and it is native to low wet areas. So that you know that would be a choice. So what's up, Java? I think we got uh, one or two calls right before the end of this broadcast. Is that right? I'm not ready. We got started on the broadcast late. Let's stay late. <laughs> After set, but we we have another show, Felder. Okay, okay. All right, Felder, we have uh, Alan coming up in Alabama. Alan in Alabama, what's up, man? Well, I got a question for you. Uh, I got me some Bermuda seed, and I've got like farmland type yard, and I I want to put my Bermuda seed out. Can I just throw some Bermuda seed out into the existing lawn? Uh, and then it, do you think it will take, or do I have to do some actual uh, uh, yeah. rototilling around it? Yeah, you have to do some of the actual stuff. And here's the reason. If the seed get caught up in grass or gets caught up in grass clippings, and it sprouts as it's sprouting thin air and dying. You have to have what they call seed-soil contact. So if if you know if you want if you want to mow as close as you possibly can, throw the seed out there, and then if you if you got a riding mower, yes sir. Okay, get your piece of uh, chain link fence, put it on a rope, and uh, drag it around behind the mower to knock the seed down close to the ground. One more question: How about if I took some screen topsoil and dashed some a little bit of topsoil on top of the areas that I seeded? That would work. Sound like a lot of trouble for a big area, but um, anyway, get the seed soil contact. That's the only thing that I know for sure. Thank you very much. That's all I'm going to trouble you for. Have a great weekend. I appreciate it. Well, it's been kind of wild this morning, Java. I'm glad I had my hat on so you couldn't see me sweat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've been here at the Max, and folks, if you haven't been to the Max and Meridian, it is fabulous it's interesting it's surprising it's great for kids it's great for old folks it's great for everybody in between but it's got a little of everything it'd be interesting to bring grandparents and grandchildren together and listen to the stories that grandparents tell about some of the stuff they see here it's a cool place we're going to be spending a little bit of time uh afterwards yakking about gardening i'm going to be here at the back in the morning saturday for the second we're going to be talking about native plants in the landscape, and it's going to be 
surprising. Some stuff that I'm sure. If you get a chance to take a kid to a farm market or a farm center, take a, a neighbor shut in, get some plants because it's important for everybody to know how to do what we do best, and that's what? Get dirty. See y'all next week. <laughs>